Well, good morning, Crosspoint family. Welcome. You may have a seat. So happy to be here with you this morning. I want to welcome you. For those of you who are here, for those of you that are joining us online, we welcome you as well. We're happy that you're able to join us. We hope that you're blessed uh, by the service. Uh, if you're here for the first time, we welcome you. We're grateful that you're here. Uh, we would encourage you to um, say hello to one of our elders before you leave. We would encourage you maybe to go online, crosspointchristianchurch.com, or anybody who hasn't done this yet, scroll all the way down once you get to our website, and you'll find a short uh, contact uh, form where you, we just ask for your name, your email, maybe your phone number. That'll just allow us an opportunity to stay in touch with you. We promise not to bug you and uh, try to sell you anything. Just want to welcome you and let you know that we appreciate you being here. So we've got a lot of things going on here this morning, and for that we're grateful. have a, a lot of announcements that I want to share with you, so make sure you're ready. Um, so let me go through those. But what a special thing to be able to gather on a Sunday morning and to be able to praise along with our worship team, for which we're very grateful. Um, you know, they practice during the week. They get here early on Sundays. They lead our English service, and the same worship team leads our Spanish service as well. So they're doing a great job, and I just want to acknowledge that and thank them for, for what they're doing. Thank the Lord. Don't be shy about encouraging them and letting them know how you appreciate them when you see them, all right? Get to know them, by the way. If you don't know who, who our worship team is, you, gotta, you probably need to plug in a little bit more and find out who, who everybody is. So coming up on, um, let me see, I'm going to try to go chronologically here. And that would be that a week from tomorrow will be Memorial Day. And normally we have a picnic as a congregation, so the youth group is kind of sponsoring this day at the park picnic potluck style. It'll be on Monday from 12 to about 5, or until we're no longer able to play sports and we're all done. Uh, bring a little dish to share. It'll be at Palm Park here in Whittier. Uh, so Monday, Palm Park, we'll play basketball. I know a lot of basketball players will try to play every sport. I missed the last picnic, so I'm really looking forward to this one. Also, um, you should know that there, but my mistake, I apologize, there will not be a ministry leaders meeting on the 29th, all right? So we're not going to have that meeting. You may have seen it on the newsletter last night, and LV, you're watching, I apologize, that was my, my mistake. We're going to postpone that meeting, which was scheduled for the 29th for all the ministry leaders. But we will have on June 12th, now this is for a lot of you, which is super exciting. On June 12th, that's on Sunday, um, I got to apologize for this one too. I think on the newsletter it said June 11th. That was also my bad. So June 12th on Sunday at noon after our Spanish service, we're going to have a meet the leaders lunch. What that is, is for anyone who's been here maybe like uh, six months or so or less, and you haven't attended one of these uh, Meet the Leaders lunches. So if you've been here a year and you've missed the last couple of those lunches where you get a chance to meet the leaders, uh, we would encourage you to attend this one. RSVP, let me know you're coming. That way we could uh, order enough steak and lobster for that. Ah, now I got your attention. Dude. I'm kidding. It's not gonna, I'm pretty sure it's not going to be steak and lobster. Unless Lance makes that happen, but I don't know. But we're going to have a lunch, and that just gives you an opportunity to hear from us, the leaders, the elders of the church, I'll uh, get a chance to hear from you a little bit and just get to know you. And um, 
that would be like if you've been here three weeks or more and you feel like, hey, maybe this is the place where God wants me to worship and, and, and um, carry out my gifts that the Holy Spirit has given me to bless the church and honor him, then come check it out and, and see, what, see what the Lord says then. On the 19th of June is Father's Day. We want to honor our dads here at Cross Point, and it also gives us a great opportunity to invite other fathers that you know. And I'll tell you a little secret. Most dads out there, especially, but including, but especially, including those in church, but especially those who don't go to church regularly, um, have a great sense of guilt about their fatherhood. I assure you, even if they act like they don't. And so I think it would be a great opportunity for you to invite them and, and hope that they would be blessed by a, a, a service that honors and encourages our dads. Our society badly needs men to step up, especially fathers. And so we want to have a special service that day and uh, gives you an opportunity to invite all those dads out there that you know. That's it. With the exception of one more announcement. As you were walking in, if you came through our, uh, our east side entrance, you probably noticed a special table out there, a sign, and uh, some books out there. So today we had announced this before, so I'm really excited about being able to, for some of you, introduce to you Destiny Vasquez, who is now an author here at our church. So why don't we give an applause for that? Thank the Lord. Uh, we're going to give... Destiny, why don't you come up now? They told me to just go ahead and choose any of these. Maybe. And we want Destiny just to come up. Introduce herself. She's been here longer than I have. But yeah, for some of you, you may not quite know who she is. We're proud of her. We're, we're glad to see what the Lord is doing in her and through her. And um, so we want to give her a couple minutes to just have her talk to us about her experience writing this book. Hi, I'm Destiny Vasquez, and I'm, uh, my parents are Monique and Lance, and uh, yeah, so I've been coming here since this church was uh, Whittier Church of Christ. That's why he said I've been here longer, but just because I was at this building. Um, so I was actually writing a children's book first, and I started uh, the process of self-publishing that last year, and I had a year to do it. So I, I kind of started the journey before I had written the book so that it could force me to write the book. And I had the images ready, but I needed an illustrator. So uh, that was kind of in a pause area. I was working really hard and asking a lot of uh, members of the church for help with that as well. But because that wasn't really going anywhere, um, I had been working with my friend on some Bible verses um, that we would talk with each other about. I would get a verse and then take, take from the verse and ask questions. Um, just, so one of the verses that I used was Philippians 4.8. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely. So it goes on like that. Um, I used that verse, and I thought, okay, when I'm having bad day and bad thoughts, um, what, you know, what else can I think about? Something that's not negative. And so I thought of this verse, what is true? And then I couldn't think of something that was true. Just memorizing the verse um, was nice, but I, I didn't actually have something ready. So that was kind of what I did. I dissected the verses and took out, okay, God's telling us to do this. Let's actually do it. 
So I asked questions throughout the verses, and another verse I took um, that kind of prompted, you know, being able to dissect each verse individually, because I know a lot of people talk about how, you know, you have to look through the genre of each Bible um, chapter, and there's more to it than just one verse. You have to kind of read surrounding verses. So um, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. And that's 2 Timothy 3.16. So I use that to kind of structure that it was okay to, <laughs> to take these verses and just get a little deeper into them. So yeah, that's what the book is, and it has a little bit of coloring in the back too, so a little bit of um, encouragement. And there's not a lot of reading, it's mostly just the verse and some questions that go to it. So I'm really excited because it really helped me to get away from negative thoughts and to have something right there in front of me to think about. And all glory to God, and that's what GB glory, my pen name means, glory be, uh, God be the glory. So thank you so much. Yeah, and I think that's great. And so the table out there has several copies if you would like to, and I would highly encourage you to swing by that table, say hello to Destiny, encourage her, and, um, and pick up a, a copy. You could also get those like at your regular Amazon and all that good stuff, but she brought some copies with her. So make sure as you go out, take some time, uh, go by the table and encourage her, pick up a, a, a copy, and... Um, I, I saw a lot of you, this sense of relief when she said it's not a lot of reading. I saw that. I saw you guys. She said it's not a lot of reading. We were like, oh, okay. Then you, I saw you considering it, then maybe I will buy it. So really neat. Ver, uh, some of that material I think we saw in some of our newsletters, sort of. Uh, and, and it's just a really great devotional, all scripture, just encouraging you to, to meditate on, on one verse, what it means and how that applies and how you can apply that to your life. So uh, we're really proud of you, Destiny. I know it was a labor of love, and um, no doubt God used you for this, and we pray that if it's your desire to continue to write, that he would bless you in that. All right. Yeah. Continue to pray for Destiny, Chewy, your children, the family. What a blessing. Okay. Let's go ahead and take communion. If you came in and you wish to partake in taking communion with us, you would have grabbed one of these. If you didn't, uh, raise your hand and we'll have somebody come by and, and give you one. And to do that, I want to share with you a bit of a lengthy portion. Let me see. Well, I'm going to switch it up just like that. I want to share with you 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 18 and 19. Uh, in my growth group, which meets on Tuesday nights at my house, we are going through First and Second Peter. We have a group of about 18 people that meet. We have a great time. I would highly encourage you to join a growth group. We're in about week three right now, but uh, groups are always open. And one of the things that we're doing is we want to challenge each other to memorize verses that are important and uh, so the one that I memorized, but right now with the spotlight, I, I'm going to read it, even though I've memorized it, sort of. It says, 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 18 and 19. I know we've used this verse before, but listen to this. Peter says, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things, like silver and gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but you were redeemed with the precious blood of Christ, 
as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. That's 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 18 and 19. Peter is speaking to believers, to Christians, and he says, you have been redeemed, you have been bought back, but you haven't been bought back with money, like with perishable things like gold and silver. That's too cheap, that's not enough. Our sin problem cannot be purchased with corruptible things or perishable things like gold and silver. We place a great deal of value in gold and silver, diamonds, things like that. God says, when it comes to your salvation and finding forgiveness of sins, all that material stuff is no bueno, will not do. And then he follows and says that we were redeemed from, listen to this, from, uh, from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers. I don't know what your experience was prior to coming to know Christ our Lord as your personal Lord and Savior, but this is a great description of pretty much the entire world. We lived our life aimlessly, just kind of doing what everybody else did and doing what everybody else says was, said was important or valuable or meaningful. There we were, living aimlessly. Or, or we were well-focused only to realize it was on the wrong thing, material stuff, the goods of this world. It says we were living aimlessly, and this conduct we received from our, from our fathers through tradition. I don't know how many of you guys were in that situation where you found yourself prior to coming to Christ, you exercised a religion that was inherited by default from your parents, from your fathers, by your culture. But he says you were redeemed not with perishable things. You were redeemed from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but you were redeemed with the precious blood of Christ. What happened 2,000 years ago at the cross of Calvary is that Jesus Christ gave himself. He allowed to be crucified. He allowed his blood to be shed as a sacrifice and as a payment for your sins and mine. It says we are redeemed by the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, a perfect sacrifice. We're grateful for that. We celebrate that and we proclaim that as we take this bread, as you peel back the first plastic there, and you take this bread, which symbolizes, it represents the body of our Lord Jesus that hung naked on that cross, bearing our sin, our shame, and our pain. We take it together in remembrance of him. As you peel back the second layer, you see the juice that represents the precious blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, which was the payment for our sin. We take that together. So I'm going to ask you if you can, if you would, stand. We're going to sing a hymn. I know the last couple of weeks we haven't for different reasons, but we're going to sing Holy, Holy, Holy. I know there's a couple, at least a couple of different versions, so just kind of follow with the one that we have here that Matt put together for us. And let's sing this nice and loud. It'll be a cappella, and it'll just be about God's holiness. I believe it's three stanzas that we're going to sing. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, Early in the morning 
our song shall rise to Thee. Holy, 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 merciful and mighty, God in three persons, blessed Trinity. Holy, 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 though the darkness hide thee, though the eye of sinful man thy glory may not see. Only thou art holy, there is none beside thee. Perfect in power, in love and purity. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. All thy works shall praise thy name in earth and sky and sea. Holy, 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 merciful and mighty, God in three persons, Blessed Trinity. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, even as we sing this hymn and proclaim that you are holy, 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 we realize we come short of understanding your greatness and your holiness. But we're grateful for the faith that you've given us. We're grateful for the opportunity that we get to gather in your name, sing praises to your worthy name, and be able to gather as a family, as your children, in order that we may, we may grow closer to you. We pray that your name will be exalted this morning. We're grateful for the opportunity to be here. We pray this in the mighty name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen. You may have a seat. So we're going to sing that hymn two more times. And each time it's going to get louder because you're going to be more familiar with it. And it's just awesome for us to realize that we're connected with so many hundreds thousands and even millions of Christians in the past that have sung that hymn over the years and decades. So welcome this morning once again. It is my privilege to have an opportunity to share God's word with you. This morning, the title of the morning, this morning's message is Lord of the Sabbath. As you probably know, we're going through the gospel according to Luke, kind of portion by portion. Today we're going to discuss Luke chapter 6, verses 1 through 11. Luke chapter 6, verses 1 through 11, I will remind you that Luke wrote this letter, or this, this narrative, this gospel as, as we know it, to a friend of his, uh, Theophilus, in order that Theophilus would be sure of the things in which he was instructed. And so that's the idea. You know what we're studying. I, I encourage you to read this on your own, study it on your own, and then we get a chance to come on Sunday morning and hear a message from that portion. So Luke chapter 6, verses 1 through 11. I'm going to read that through. This morning's main point is this. God is glorified through our proper understanding of the Sabbath. What is the Sabbath? This day of rest 
A lot of confusion about it. Certainly in 30 minutes, we're not going to get a chance to do an extensive, in-depth study of the Sabbath. But we are going to look at this portion and see some things that the Lord said about it. And we're going to go through other portions in Scripture talking about the Sabbath. But the important thing here is that the Lord claims to be, as the title says, Lord of the Sabbath. That's a really big deal. That's a big claim that honors and glorifies him for who he is. And so let me read that. Luke chapter 6, verses 1 through 11. Here it is. It says, Now it happened on the second Sabbath after the first that he went through the grain fields, and his disciples plucked the heads of grain and ate them, rubbing them in their hands. And some of the Pharisees said to them, Why are you doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath? But Jesus answering them said, Have you not even read this, what David did when he was hungry? He and those that were with him, how he went into the house of God, took and ate the showbread, and also gave some to those with him, which is not lawful for any but the priests to eat. And he said to them, The Son of Man, referring to himself, Jesus, The Son of Man is also Lord of the Sabbath. He would have dropped the mic After he said that, if you know what I mean. This is a really big deal. We'll come back to it. The Son of Man is also Lord after the Sabbath. Now it happened on another Sabbath also that he entered the synagogue and taught. And a man was there whose right hand was withered. So the scribes and Pharisees watched him closely, whether he would heal on the Sabbath, that they might find an accusation against him. But he knew their thoughts and said to the man who had the withered hand, Arise and stand here. And he arose and stood. And Jesus said to them, I will ask you one thing. Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil, to save a life or to destroy? And when he had looked around at them all, he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he did so. And his hand was restored as whole as the other. But they were filled with rage and discussed with one another what they might do to Jesus. Incredible. So this morning, as we talk about Jesus being the Lord of the Sabbath, I want to touch on three points. I want to touch on the Sabbath. We're going to talk about the Sabbath. We're going to spend most time there. We're going to talk about the showbread. The Lord used that as an example, so we want to know what he was talking about. Some of you may already know, of course. So the Sabbath, the showbread, and then Christ's sovereignty. Christ's sovereignty, the showbread, and the Sabbath. All right. As you probably know, there's, there's actually uh, religions that believe in keeping the Sabbath the last day of the week. And they believe that the Bible teaches that that's the right thing to do along with many other things. So I only say that to, to bring to light the fact that there's, there is a lot of confusion for many people when it comes to the Sabbath. And, and, and then the question becomes, why do we not observe the Sabbath? Why are we celebrating? You know, coming together on Sunday, uh, which is the first day of the week, and we're going to talk about that as well. So let me talk a little bit about the Sabbath, where that came from, and what it is all about. Um, So the Sabbath, which the Lord was accused of breaking, breaking the law, the, the, the law of the Sabbath. And what had happened is that for the Pharisees, for the religious leaders of those days, they had done something terrible, which is they had taken what God had said, 
and they elaborated on that and they complicated things and they became very legalistic. And when it came to the Sabbath, for them it was a really big deal not to quote unquote break the Sabbath, but what the Lord had said and established to what was going on on the Sabbath or about the Sabbath during the Lord's time was very different. So I want to take us back to the beginning and see what the Lord said about the Sabbath and compare that to what they were doing. And that's where the discrepancy comes in. That's why there wasn't an understanding between the Lord healing, for example, as he did here on the Sabbath, and people being enraged about the fact that he was healing on the Sabbath. And then there's definitely some applications for us as well here. So, all right. So the main point, again, is God is glorified through our proper understanding of the Sabbath. So let's talk about the Sabbath. And let me look back at Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. You know, it is God who established a seven-day week. You know, there have been countries that are trying to get away from this seven-day cycle where you work six days, take a day off, and then start over again. And it hasn't gone well. You can look that up and study that. You know, the fact that we have a seven-day week goes all the way back to creation itself. When the Lord, God himself, when he created everything in the universe, he did it all in six days, and on the seventh day he rested. Let me read to you Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. Thus the heavens and the earth and all the hosts of them were finished. And on the seventh day God ended his work which he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it. Because in it he rested from all his work which God had created and made. Chapter 2 of Genesis, right from the beginning. God creates everything in six days. And not because he was tired but because he wanted there to be a day of rest, a day that was different. It says that he sanctified it. He set it apart. And later on, we're going to see how he has set it apart for us. So he sets this seventh day apart. The Sabbath means uh, rest to cease from work. And God is an infinite knowledge. He knew if we leave it up to people, they're going to work 24-7 all the time, never take time to rest, and they're going to forget about making me the priority of their life. And so he leaves one day out of seven for us to just rest from work, to make it different, to sanctify it, and for us to spend time solely on him. That was the idea from the beginning. Very interesting. Let me go to Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 through 11, because here we have the law. In Genesis chapter 2, we simply have an account of what happened. In Exodus chapter 20, now we have God telling Moses what the application or the law should be for Israel when it comes to the Sabbath. So listen to Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 through 11. He says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy, one of the Ten Commandments. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your cattle, nor your stranger who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it, made it holy, sanctified it. So we see in creation what happened, and then God says, I got to command this. Make sure that this is something that they implement within their law. This is something that God wants done. Work six days, take one day for the Lord. 
in which you rest from your regular work and you just make it different, make it special for God, your relationship with God. God made provisions for us to spend time with him in a special way. Sunday morning for us is kind of like that. And again, I don't have a whole lot of time to to develop this. But, you know, Sunday morning we get together. We we come to church. Uh, This is the only day right now that we do this once a week. Now, should we only do it once a week? No. What if we decided to do it twice a week? That would be great. We read in Acts chapter 2 how the church used to get together every day, but the church didn't look like this. They would go from house to house. That's why we love our growth groups, the concept behind our growth groups, where you come to church, we gather, we see the, the whole local family, we encourage one another unto love and good works. Uh, I mean, how cool is it to, to encourage destiny this morning and pick up a book, and, and that's part of what we're supposed to do. And then you get to chat with some of the people that you're closer to here, and some of you don't know a lot of people, but I encourage you to kind of spread out and, and meet more people, get involved. And you're going to see how you're going to grow spiritually. And so this is a special time for us. But we don't have to limit ourselves to Sunday morning. And we're going to read a little bit about that later in Colossians. Very interesting portion. But just know that Sunday is a special day for us. What should we do? Well, we're not going to get legalistic either and say, like, hey, you should, uh, you know, nobody should make coffee on that morning because they, they have to work. They should do it on Saturday night. And that's not the point. One of the things that happened with the Pharisees and the religious leaders, most of them, is that they became legalistic, meaning they got so focused on the letter of the law and they forgot the heart of the law. What was it for? And really easy, we could see how here's Jesus, God in the flesh, healing a person on the Sabbath A great thing that honors God. And instead of them honoring and praising God, what do they do? They're filled with rage. And they start conspiring with one another to say, what can we do to this guy? For he's, quote, unquote, breaking the Sabbath. He was, the Lord was actually doing the best thing you could do on a Sabbath. And instead of them recognizing that, for that is the heart of the law, they were criticizing the Lord. And ultimately, they wanted to kill him, and they did. Large in part because... Of what he did in the Sabbath. They felt that he had no regard for the Sabbath. When in fact the Lord was honoring God on the Sabbath. His father. Very interesting. So here you have in Exodus chapter 20. You have the commandment about the Sabbath. In Mark 2.27. Because there was such an issue with these religious leaders and the Lord about the Sabbath. The Lord makes this claim. He says the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. Think about this. God had made this day for men to rest and just focus on the Lord. And what these religious leaders had done is they had taken that day of rest for people to spend with God. And they had made it into this crazy legalistic activity where Saturday came around. Boy, they thought they couldn't do anything, including what we saw here is that the, the Lord and his disciples go through this grain field. They pluck some heads of grain. They rub them in their hands and they eat them. They were hungry. They were on their way probably to do the Lord's work. And these Pharisees see that and they're enraged. Why are they doing what they're not supposed to do, what it's not lawful? And it's just, it's weird. It's, 
Like, it's ridiculous. They had such a lack of understanding of the heart of God's word. And, and so the Lord says, don't you realize that the Sabbath was made for people? It's something that should benefit people, frees people, not binds them. And instead of them enjoying their day with the Lord on the Sabbath, they were just looking around to see who broke the Sabbath. Oh, look at that person. Hey, look at what he's doing. Stop doing that. Hey, what are you doing that? Terrible. This legalistic attitude. I'm so grateful that in this church you don't have anybody like that. What is she wearing? Why does he come like that? Why does he get here late? Why can't she do this? Why are the kids making noise? And on and on. Why are these chairs like that? And why are we meeting in here? And That's not to say that we shouldn't improve things and if there's something wrong, we should fix it. I'm just saying our attitude, our heart. Where is our heart? The Lord says, the Sabbath was made for man. You know, hopefully nobody comes to church like, oh, it's Sunday again. We got to go to church because it's Sunday. We get, John Corson one time says, we don't have to come to church on Sunday. We get to come to church on Sunday Boy, if that's not your attitude, you got to check your heart. We get to come and sing to the Lord together. We get to do this. This is a privilege. This is an honor. We get to do this because the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Now, what is our attitude towards the Sabbath, even Sunday, the special day? Here it is. Colossians chapter 2, verses 16 and 17, the Apostle Paul. First of all, if you look at the, if you read the New Testament, you'll see the difference between the church era and the nation of Israel in the Old Testament, where, you know, it was all about the Sabbath for them. There you come to the New Testament, and where is the Sabbath? If you read Acts and some of the epistles, it says that the believers would get together on the first day of the week, much in part because it was on the first day of the week that the Lord Jesus Christ came back to life. On Sunday. Now, maybe some of us don't even realize that Sunday is the first day of the week because we say, you know, we teach our kids at school, for example, when I taught elementary, I guess I'm guilty of that. We probably started, you know, name the days of the week. And what do we do? We start with Monday. Oh, Monday. And then Sunday's like the last one. Sunday's the first day of the week. You don't believe me? Check your calendar. They didn't mess up. We just have this wrong understanding. Sunday is the first day of the week. Saturday is the last day of the week. In the Old Testament, under the law, people observed the last day. They worked for six days, and they rested on the last day. For us as Christians and the early church, they got together on the first day of the week when the Lord was raised from the dead. The first fruits we give today, this is how you start your week. We're not finishing up our week. It's all weird, right? It's the weekend. No, it isn't. This is the week beginning. Today's the first day of the week. You didn't even know that. You have been giving the Lord the first day of the week all this time. You're not finishing off your week. You're starting off your week, and you're starting off great for being here. Those of you online as well. Keep that in mind. So what does Paul say? Colossians chapter 2, verses 16 and 17. Listen, he's writing to the church, and he says, Let no one judge you in food or drink. 
Why does he say that? Because that's what they were doing back then. Why are you eating that? Hey, don't you know the loss is not to eat pork? Carnitas, those tacos al pastor you've been enjoying? Woo! Let no one judge you in food or in drink or regarding a festival or a new moon or Sabbaths, which are a shadow of things to come, but the substance is of Christ. You know that from the beginning, this idea of resting from our work was all a picture of Christ that now as Christians, we get to rest in Christ. Why? Because he accomplished all the necessary work at the cross. You don't have to work for your salvation. In fact, if you work for your salvation, it is a guarantee you will never attain it. We have been saved by grace through faith, and that's not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not through works, lest anyone should boast. If you're thinking that if you just continue to be a good person and continue to do good works, God will be pleased on the day of judgment on you, I'm telling you right now, according to Scripture, with all authority in Scripture, you are under condemnation. And unless you change that way of thinking, you will not see life but eternal death. Don't try to earn heaven. And for many of us, that sounds strange because every religion on the planet is about earning heaven. They will not say it that way, but when you look into what they're doing, what they believe, it's all about doing things to earn God's favor versus put, surrender, repent, and acknowledge that Jesus did all the work necessary for your salvation at the cross. That is the difference between Christianity and every religion out there. Our faith and our trust is in the finished work of Christ on our behalf. That is the gospel. Anything other than that is to err. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. There's only one Savior. His name is Jesus, our Lord. He was a sh- the Sabbath was a shadow of things to come, and it says, let no one judge you on Sabbath. So for a Christian, when should we worship God? Every day. Which day is special for God? Every day. Which day belongs to God? Every day. And it would be awesome if we had services every day. I know for, for a while I was, you know, really busy. Well, now I'm really busy at church and doing work. And, and for, for a while when I was younger, it was like, oh, man, Monday I have uh, something, going, young adults. And then Tuesday we have a Bible study. Wednesday we have a midweek service. Thursday we do, uh, I don't know, some kind of practice for worship ministry. Friday we have a youth group. Did I say that already? Saturday we probably have some kind of, and then Sunday. Man, like every day I'm at church now. What a terrible thing, huh? You're, just, you're spending way too much time at church. What does that mean? We, we, we look down on that instead of realizing, I want to spend time with my Lord every day. And you don't have to be at church every day. But you should be spending time with the Lord all the time. Be in prayer. Pray without ceasing. Being in this attitude of prayer and gratitude and communion with God all the time. It doesn't have to be limited to a day. Wow, that was all about the Sabbath. Point number two is about the showbread. 
So they come to the Lord and say, why are your disciples doing what is not lawful? And the Lord says, don't you know what David did? And Jesus, descendant of David, David had already been anointed king. And you look that, I'm just going to go right through it really fast. But in 1 Samuel chapter 21, verses 1 through 6, you have the story of what Jesus is referencing as he's saying, what's wrong with you? Don't you know what David did? David and his companions went to the tabernacle and asked of the priest, first of all, read the story and see how David lied. So problematic. David lies to the priest and says, hey, Saul sent me on a special mission. Lies. No, he didn't. And then he says, by the way, we're hungry. Can you give us some bread? And the priest says, uh, we don't have any common bread. We only have bread that was in the you know, show bread. And long story short, he takes that bread and gives it to David, which should have only been eaten by the priests. And so that, what David did, was unlawful. But the Lord is quoting that situation and saying, don't you realize even back in the Old Testament, focus on the heart of the law, not just on the letter of the law. That's all I'm going to say about that. Because we want to get to this last point, which is Christ's sovereignty. Because this is a really big deal. Verse 5 in Luke chapter 6. And he said to them, the Son of Man, referring to himself, the Son of Man is also Lord of the Sabbath. I'm telling you, we cannot understand this, this phrase, what it meant for them, the hearers. They were criticizing Jesus for breaking the Sabbath. And then Jesus says, not only am I not breaking the Sabbath, I am Lord of the Sabbath. What? They, I mean, can you relate to wanting to kill someone because of what he just said? They wanted to kill him. And lest we miss this, by Jesus saying, I am Lord of the Sabbath, he was completely and undeniably claiming to be God in the flesh. That is what bothered them the most. That here is this man that they can see, feel, and touch here, and yet he's claiming to be God because only God is Lord of the Sabbath. Just like in the story of the paralytic when Jesus said, young man, your sins are forgiven. And people were outraged because, again, he was claiming deity there. And then in the story of the paralytic, the Lord says, what's easier to say your sins are forgiven or to tell this paralytic, rise up and walk? And he says, so you can prove to you my power, I'm going to tell this young man, get up and walk. And the young man gets up and walks. And he does the same thing right here. He's in the, he's in the synagogue here, bunch of religious leaders. And in there, there's a man with a withered arm. And he tells them, hey, you, I need to prove something. It's not about you, but I need to, I'm going to use you to prove something. He says, stand right here in the middle of everyone. I love that. He tells them, stand right here in the middle of everyone so everybody can see. And, beloved, God wants the same thing for you. God wants to be able to tell you, you, get right in the middle, in the thick of things. I want everybody to see my glory in you. That's who we are as Christians. We're not supposed to be hiding in our culture. We're supposed to be in humility, trusting God, and saying, I am a child of God, and his work is evident in my life, and I want to shine his light. So he tells this man with the withered heart, hand, stand right here in the middle. He claims deity. He says, I am the Lord of the Sabbath. And then to, for them to perceive that he is telling the truth, and he does have the right to claim that, he tells them, stretch out your arm. And immediately, 
the man stretches out his withered arm, and it says that it was restored just as his other arm hand. And you would think that those Pharisees, those religious leaders would say, like, that's amazing. What power is this? Instead, they were outraged. Lest you and I think that we are above that, really consider your heart. When do you get upset and outraged? I remember Chuck Smith talking about how when he uh, was young himself, he started, he was the founder of Calvary Chapels. Says that the, he was at a church, very traditional church, and the hippies started coming in. And he says they were coming in all dirty, barefooted, and boy, the elders were having a heart attack. These dirty people that don't shower, messing up our carpet, and oh, they're sitting in our chairs, and they stink. And, and that really bothered Chuck Smith and said, wait a minute. So if we're not going to minister to them, who will? And he actually started ministering to. And now you have people like Greg Laurie and a lot of, I, I believe, outstanding teachers uh, doing great kingdom work that came out of that movement. But what about the other people that were there at church being really good at being uh, churched? We've got to be careful. We've got to have the heart of Christ the compassion of Christ, not just be religious. So Christ's sovereignty, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to share one verse with you. That is Colossians chapter 1, verses 17 and 18. This portion in Colossians 1, 17 and 18 is, is key in all New Testament, speaking of Christ's sovereignty. And so Paul says, and he, Jesus, is before all things. Jesus is the eternal God, the second person of the Holy Trinity, and he is before all things. And in him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence. He is before all things, and in him all things consist. He is the creator of all. So when he says, I am Lord even over the Sabbath, he was just claiming deity, and he was just speaking truth. And for that, he was hated. We're going to leave it at that. And just for us to consider this portion, it's an awesome portion. Uh, if you could imagine Luke writing to Theophilus and Theophilus reading this, what that meant for him to say, wow, so this Jesus in whom I am placing my trust is Lord even over the Sabbath. He is God in the flesh. And we pray that the Holy Spirit would speak to us, to our hearts, to our minds, that he would open our understanding and understand who Jesus is and understanding who he is, the eternal God and creator, and yet the same one that loved us and gave himself for us at the cross of Calvary. Isn't that amazing? Let's pray. Gracious Father, we're so grateful to you for all of your blessings, for your love which was willing to give up your one and only son, our Lord Jesus, that whosoever, we read in the word, believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Father, I pray that if anyone here is still struggling with that, that you would allow him to recognize that Jesus Christ, our Lord, is the eternal and only Savior of our souls based on what he did for us at the cross. And for that, we are eternally grateful. Thank you for all my brothers and sisters who are here, those joining us online we pray that as we dismiss, we will go forth 
and share these great news of salvation by your love and by your grace. We pray for your blessing and your protection. We ask this in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. You are dismissed.